Welcome to Business Line's State of the Economy podcast, where you'll find insight, analysis, and the story behind the numbers. Hi, I am Dilip Singh. For this edition of State of Economy podcast, we have with us former Defence Secretary Mr. Ajay Kumar, who, besides his vast experience, is known for deep dive into technology for governance solutions. This comes from his rich academic background. He is alumnus of IIT Kanpur and University of Minnesota, USA. We are looking for an engaging conversation with Mr. Kumar on the need for next generation defense reforms and geopolitical situation. Welcome to the podcast, sir. Let's begin our conversation. Sir, as defense secretary, you have seen through first set of glass breaking defense reforms to promote atmanirbharta in military sector it has paid off to instill confidence in the industry to produce our own weapon systems but there is a need to roll out defense reform 2.0 for big ticket innovations crunching procurement time and creating global supply chain ecosystem sir can you tell us precisely what should be focus area of these fundamental reforms thank you for having me for the first time after independence we are witnessing true self reliance true atmanirbharta but we, we are seeing a large number of new private companies and startups today entering in the defense field we are also seeing our own defense psus strengthening and performing better than what they have been doing in the past and these are good signs but this is really the start it would not be appropriate to say that we have reached where we would want to in the defense ecosystem if i were to uh, say that we are on a takeoff stage and in the next 5 to 10 years we have potential to be really one of the big defense industry ecosystem in the world to be counted among the top 3 or 4 defense industry ecosystems but for this purpose you know a large number of reforms have taken place in the last few years you know some of the things which i would like to see in my opinion as uh, the next level reform for making sure that we really reach the pinnacle of defense industry ecosystem of the world uh, i would like to say number one is reform in the defense r&d ecosystem uh, the government has already set up a very high level committee uh, uh, under professor vijay raghavan to look into it and i think that would be extremely important the second thing is i think we need significant procurement reforms defense uh, is not like any other sector where you will have multiple people making planes fighter planes or you will have multiple people making submarines therefore what is standard procurement practice may not work very well in defense in this process somewhere down the line we have created an extremely complex procurement process which takes a lot of time 
I think it's very important that we should create a simpler defense procurement mechanism based on the functional needs of the armed forces. And for this, defense acquisition procedure needs to be amended thoroughly. We had put up a target of completing a typical average defense procurement uh, in two years. I think keeping that as an aim, simplification needs to be done. The third thing is, uh, you know, the defense acquisition procedure, while it provides for both make in India as well as foreign procurements, it does not really provide for private pa uh, public partnership model, which could help in actually developing big ticket items. Presently, we see a lot of innovation happening in the startup ecosystem, but there is limitation in terms of very big projects being taken up through the startup ecosystem. And for that, we need public-private partnership models and defense acquisition procedure needs to be amended to include that. Third, I would like to mention is the need, inter-ministerial coordination need in defense. And uh, uh, defense required, uses a whole range of products. Uh, many of these products with uh, amendments or customizations can also have tremendous application in civil and commercial sector for common people. Most companies in the world, when they are producing for defense, they have an equally big or much bigger civil market component as well. I think we need to create that collaboration so that what technologies are being developed for defense with suitable changes could also be adapted for civil commercial market. For example, we, are, we need to develop our own electronic chips. The requirements of defense cannot justify having these chips in, in developing these chips in India. And by trying to synergize civil and commercial market, we could actually create significant industry for uh, electronic chips as well. Lastly, I would like to mention some areas where I think we still uh, need to uh, develop technologies. One of them is specifically is rare earths, which is today the supply chain of rare earths is becoming extremely critical. And we need to develop technologies through which one, we can use alternative materials Two, we could recycle existing uh, used uh, uh, equipment or components to get rare earths. Second technology where we need to be uh, developing uh, capability very fast is creating strategy for quantum proofing our cyber infrastructure. If we have any one country who develops quantum technology and that country wants to break our cyber cryptography, in, uh, they will have open access practically to all our critical infrastructure. And therefore, to ensure that such an eventuality is taken care of quickly, I think 
quantum proofing of our cyber infrastructure is a must. So the the industry you know, is raising some other issues also beyond the, what you have stated. For instance, the issues uh, they are flagging are related to PLIs, tax structure, and protection of IPRs. So what do you have to say on them? You know, uh, three, four things. Uh, on these three points which you mentioned, PLI, you know, PLI is something where, uh, uh, you know, which is a financial incentive to promote higher level of production. Uh, if, uh, you know, my own experience tells me that in sectors like, you know, industry will always demand, demand for additional incentives. But in sectors like defense, whether it is defense export or whether it is uh, uh, supplying to the Indian Armed Forces, the defense market really, it does not make too much of a difference if 2 to 4% incentive is additionally given because most of the times there are significant margins once the order has been obtained. So the real important thing in defense always is to be able to obtain the orders either from your own armed forces or from the armed forces of another country. And therefore, you know, uh, I am not personally aware this demand did not come while I was in office, but if this demand is there, I think it can be looked into but really, I don't think it is going to make uh, a very big difference to the overall ecosystem. On tax structure, I think this is a very important issue and this needs to be ensured. We have done, you know, every time we find that we have a, a tax structure which is unfavorable to the industry, we try to resolve it. And several of these such issues have been addressed in the past. I'm sure several times these tax issues come up because once you develop a new product or a new technology or a new way of doing things, which requires different components or inputs to go to make that product, new kind of tax issues will come. So this is a continuously developing area. And in the whole idea is that as and when such a uh, tax issue arises, the government should look into it and try to resolve it so that the industry is not put to a disadvantage. And I think uh, on a general, on this general principle, there is no difference of opinion anywhere. On specifics, I think these will have to be taken up with the uh, Ministry of Defense, as well as with the Ministry of Finance. And as regards IP, you know, again, here I have, I would like to say uh, one, the first point is, I think we have a very stable and a reliable IP regime in the country. And I say this with my experience in the Ministry of Electronics and IT. Uh, IT industry, the global IT industry was the first which started uh, developing their uh, intellectual property in India. And it's now over 20, 30 years that this has been happening. And we are all aware that we have not had any incident of such IP compromise. So therefore, I think we have a fairly stable regime of uh, IP protection in the country. However, having said that, when we look at defense, again, unlike in other industrial sectors where people are looking to use their IP to, for commercial gains, very often defense companies are not looking to sell their IP and take commercial advantage of it. They want to protect it as a trade secret, as a, a competitive advantage against the 
adversary and against rest of the world and therefore they are not even interested in filing their ips for those who do want to i think there is significant amount of protection that is available i may just add that during my period in 3 years the defense psus under the mission raksha gyan shakti filed about over 2000 patents many of which have been granted some of which are still under process and therefore uh, those who are interested in filing ips i think there is a robust regime which is enabling them to file the ips getting on to another issue sir another defense industry uh, concern is identifying and structuring a tire system in india like tire 1 tire 2 tire 3 in supply chain as of now what is happening there is a creamy layer and the big boys of indian uh, defense industry is running away with all the cake so they identify uh, tire all the three tires and bring in a structure uh, which is available in in foreign countries as well so there there is a level playing field for for everybody in the glo- in the supply chain ecosystem yeah you know this is something which uh, you know needs further discussion as you realize that in india this whole ecosystem is more of recent origin you know we today see uh, mid to big size companies who are uh, in defense and taking uh, away substantive orders we see uh, small scale industry coming up and we see startups coming up we are also seeing rapid growth of small scale to big scale also or medium scale as well i see what i mean to say is there is a fast transition that we see of small companies growing bigger and bigger companies growing even bigger and that's something which is a very healthy trend so i think we will need to evolve a model which will work for us i am of the view that we should not put too many artificial boundaries which will slow down the momentum that we see today in the industry the point which you make is a very valid point it's important that we should be able to you know take advantage of the capacity of the overall ecosystem so if in some some particular uh, components or products or smaller items if the small scale industry can do better than the big industry uh, there may be a case for them being uh, being promoted having said that the current defense acquisition procedure actually provides for certain uh, degree of uh, financial boundaries and although i do not remember the exact numbers but if uh, my memory serves me right i think up to 50 crores or 100 crore orders are reserved for msmes and uh, these uh, if the order value is less than that then only msmes can uh, participate similarly certain things are reserved for startups and you know when the development is involved financial thresholds have been put for the kind of companies that can participate the broad point i am making is while we can further you know the people who are looking into it they may like to further fine tune this but the important point is one we should not we would not want to slow down the speed of growth of our ecosystem and second is we should be able to maximize the capacity of the system uh, so that all players have the ability to participate and contribute to the defense industry uh, sir so far we have talked about you no know, the policy and the processes uh, 
let's get on to the human resource aspect of the defense sector. So there's a strong uh, feeling, you know, for skill enhancement, even in the MOD, because of the uh, sort of challenges, uh, new uh, futuristic uh, weapon systems are throwing. Was there any initiative made during your tenure? If yes, what was that? And uh, if not, do you what do you have to say? Uh, what should happen in next course of time? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree, and I think this is an area which is of great interest uh, in MOD as well. You know, capacity building, and I'm aware that MOD has tied up with some of the leading institutions, training and academic institutions like IIMs and Rashtriya Raksha University and capacity building exercises is going on. But I, I am reminded of this uh, you know, story when I had first joined Ministry of Defense in 2017. Uh, as uh, some of your listeners may know, I, prior to coming to Ministry of Defense as Secretary of Defense Production, I used to be additional secretary in the Ministry of Electronics and IT. And there we were dealing with all the latest technologies. And we had realized that artificial intelligence would be the future game changer in most fields, including defense. So when I reached there, uh, those days, General Bipin Rawas was chief of army staff. And in one of the social meetings, I, I was asking him that how is our army and defense forces in general prepared to deal with the challenge of artificial intelligence. And he was, he got very interested and very excited. And he said, all right, we had a preliminary discussion. And then he said, okay, why don't let's have a discussion on this and let's, I'll fix up a time. And promptly in the next week, he fixed up time where we could discuss artificial intelligence. I went there and I was quite wonderstruck because he had, he not only that he was there, he had called every three-star general in Delhi to be, you know, to be there to listen to what was to be said of how artificial intelligence could be used in defense. And that's a wonderful presentation that, uh, that I made a presentation to that big group of about 50, 60 officers, three-star officers. And thereafter, we reached a consensus that let's create a special task force for how we could increase the uh, you know, use of artificial intelligence, uh, which we did immediately. And Mr. N. Chandrasekhar, uh, the then, uh, in fact, he had already become chairman of Tata Sons kindly agreed to chair the task force. This was yet another first because for the first time we had an industry captain leading a Ministry of Defense task force with representatives from all the armed forces and Ministry of Defense, etc. And within three months, the task force gave its report. To cut the long story short, three years later, you know, we had an event in which the Raksha Mantri launched 75 new indigenous artificial intelligence products which were developed within the Defense Ministry of Defense. And there were many more which were under development. Some of the more uh, classified uh, technologies could not even be launched because it would not have been proper. And as a result, 
thanks to this effort, we saw a tremendous amount of change of mindset in the whole of Ministry of Defense, whether it was armed forces, whether it was defense PSUs, DRDO, and private industry working together. Today, actually, we have scores of these happening all around. But a lot of new areas one is looking at. For example, we are looking at quantum technologies. We are looking at uh, uh, space today. We are looking at underwater domain awareness. Each of these technologies are uh, new areas which are going to impact our defense preparedness in a big way. And I think what has what is what's nice about the new defense innovation ecosystem is that there is willingness and mechanism to make sure that we are able to continuously improve and move along with the moving requirements of technology in the defense arena. So can there be a case for uh, lateral entry of domain experts into MOD or specialized job can be outsourced as you gave example of you no know, use of AI? What is absolutely essential is that MOD and all pillars of MOD need to move along with times as the technology changes. We have already created an ecosystem in the industry, which is today very vibrant, which is capable of uh, coming up for solutions in all these new emerging areas. Now, for MOD and uh, to be able to actually utilize and accept and adopt these solutions, the capability needs to be built. As you have said, there are multiple ways and there could be a combination of these ways which could be resorted to. One is we need to enhance the capacity of the existing people who are there. Two, we should partner with other players, whether it is in forms of consultants or whether it is in form of academia or whether it is in form of other experts you know, who could help create that capability within MOD. And the third area is that we could possibly, if required, go for lateral entry as well. So another uh, <clears throat> question, I think uh, everybody in the sector is looking up to, what is the outlook for defense outlay for next few years? Do you think uh, given geopolitical tensions, uh, India will go in for much larger increase in defense uh, budget next year? During the three years when I was defense secretary, we have had very healthy growth in the defense budget, particularly in the defense capital budget side. We have had growths ranging between 15 to 28% in a year, which is quite outstanding. Let me also share with your listeners that the government has always assured me at the highest levels that the requirements of defense would always be met uh, and there would be no compromise with respect to funds that are required. So my take is I do not see any change in this broad approach the government has. Defense requirements are a priority and uh, whatever legitimate requirements of defense would be met in the next budget as well. 
given uh, global insecurity and especially uh, at our uh, northern borders do you see that will you uh, know translate into a defense ministry getting a larger size of the uh, slice of the budget what is larger than uh, when you get whatever you want what is larger than that because why i'm saying so our our big ticket acquisitions are still in the pipeline and that would obviously require you no know, funding no no i so what i'm saying is i am not aware of any big ticket item in fact let me share another story with you our budget used to be large enough so that one of the biggest challenges as defense secretary which i would have to face is to make sure that we actually uh use all the money that was being allocated to us and we used to have monthly meetings in the last quarter and weekly meetings in the last month uh at the highest levels at my level at raksha mantri's level to make sure that all the budget that we received could be utilized and we did not have to go a begging saying that we couldn't spend it sir i can cite a specific example for instance air chief has been saying for long and again i think last week he made it that we need something around 100 uh, no lcas then indian navy is also looking up uh, for another uh, aircraft carrier and they say that it is so important to theaterization uh, no which is again that's another issue we can talk about these are pointed concerns no uh, be raised by chiefs publicly and privately also we are told that much of it is not happening because of the budget constraints sir i i would still like to reiterate what i said earlier and you see the point is you must understand that everything the requirement of additional aircraft is justified there are two different things one is cash flows and second is approval and the approval process for you know this taking a decision whether a particular equipment is required or not is something on which a call needs to be taken by all the concerned stakeholders based on all the considerations that lie before us i am not privy to what are the considerations on which some of these decisions would be taken but i can tell you that while there may be particular view that may prevail and which may be said by one person there may be a counter view said by another person and when the final decision is taken this is taken based on the overall best understanding based on the best uh, interests of the country and therefore but i can again repeatedly say and i reemphasize this and i want to make this very clear to all our listeners that none of these decisions ever the lack of financial resources ever has come in between taking these decisions the decisions would be on merit based on need and based on the capability of what is possible in a particular time frame so as defense secretary uh, you were you no know, close witness to galwan standoff since then you no know, we have had multiple uh, sort of engagements to resolve the border issue with china what what in your assessment do you uh, in your assessment what do you think uh, is holding back uh, china to come to a negotiating table especially on on two uh, friction points i am not privy to anything that has happened after i left office 
The second point, the larger point is if you look at the larger ecosystem of the way the uh, problems have happened, there is a particular manner or a trend that we see in which China has addressed its boundary issues, whether it is continental issues, whether it is in South China Sea. What is most remarkable, and we have had appreciation from not only within India, but also most of the other parts of the world is that when there was pressure mounted on India, on the Indian Armed Forces, the kind of response the Indian Armed Forces gave was a befitting response as a result of which today it is very clear to all those who were who have seen it that when it will come to protecting the interests of the country, India will not buckle. India will not take it lying down and respond with as much as force as possible. And we are capable of protecting our interests. That has become, uh, uh, become quite uh, evident to all those who, were, uh, who mattered. <clears throat> now, getting on to another geopolitical uh, issue, what do you think are options uh, before India in case of Taiwan contingency? I think the guiding principle is what has been said at the G20. And that will be the guiding principle as far as India is concerned. We have said this is not an Iraq war. We have said that unilaterally we, uh, countries should not try to change status quo. And dialogue is the best way of resolving solutions. But then, you know, it is totally speculative and I don't think uh, it is fair to uh, you know speculate on these uh, matters. Uh, depending on what the situation is, uh, India would uh, definitely prepare a response which is uh, both in line with its own uh, interests as well as in line with the larger principles of universal brotherhood, Vasudeva Kutavakam, that we have been promoting in this new world. I think, sir, we have had a you know, fair share of uh, discussion, different aspects of defense reform and issues uh, which is uh, plaguing uh, the sector. Thanks for sharing your thoughts and we hope to hear you more on this podcast in future. Thank you. Thank you very much.